FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 380 of the podcast that goes BAMP! This is... Uh, huh? <laughs> I'm your host... <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm your host, Dan Cole, and with me is Danner Cole and Danist Cole. Hey guys! I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but one of them! Doesn't Danner Cole sound like... Right? <laughs> I feel like Danner Cole is, is a better Star Wars name than some of the Star Wars characters that we've had. <laughs> yes, a, a perfect. You. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Anyway, of course, I have a, a Dan and Georgie from the Scallop Rose. How you guys doing? What? Good. We, uh, we hope that everyone out in listener land is uh, staying well and safe, and maybe this can be a... A good distraction for, for you guys as we uh, talk about some more Dawn of X books. But um, I was telling I was telling the guys before we started recording, this would be a little weird. Uh, normally, I have like a mix of you know physical books and digital books. This will be my first time ever podcasting with only digital. Um, of course, with my shop being closed um, the last couple of weeks, um, all out of all out of paper books. So. Um, yeah, uh, that, that'll be interesting. Um, I guess, guys, we or I or, or someone will have to <laughs> make a decision going forward because as of right now, Marvel has said zilch, unless you guys have heard something I haven't yet. Um, DC's plan is to go ahead and keep on their normal release digitally and then kind of eventually ship back out physical books. Um so I don't know. I don't know what we'll decide to do. I want to be kind of fair to, to everyone because I have listeners from kind of all all forms of collecting. Some guys that only read digital, so it won't matter. But I don't want to don't want to leave behind everyone who's waiting for their their books either. So we'll kind of maybe cross that bridge when we get there. But but for now, we're going to go and talk about the books that we have uh, available. Um, I'm definitely excited to do that with you guys. Um, what are y'all's What are y'all's thoughts, feelings, uh, specifically as as all this has affected comic books? How are How are you guys doing? Um, it's t- I think it's time to embrace change. To um, quote Marvel at one point. Um, <laughs> I, I, um, this will this depending on how long this lasts. This will fundamentally change how comics will be consumed. I think, mm-hmm. like. I think you mentioned they could come back. Physical comics will always be there, but maybe as a more of a niche um, sort of. See, I see because I see it more like maybe collecting them as trades now, and that single comics may have to. Yeah. Because right. a lot of a lot of comic book shops aren't going to survive. Um, they and won't. It's, they just, it's, yeah. It's an utter shame, and I hate saying that, and I don't want to be like. Drumming the drumming the drum of go digital because um, not a lot of people appreciate digital comics, but I feel like to pick up the pieces, maybe maybe digital is the way forward for singles. Right, that, that's an idea. 
kind of yeah i think there's gonna probably be some kind of change that we don't even foresee at the moment so something's gonna happen um like some some um process is gonna come up I, i figured digital will be will be the main thing but yeah i mean I, I kind of just agree with that. It's just a shame because most comic book stores were kind of month to month anyway. You know, no no comic right. book stores really been thriving for I don't know a decade. So this is just killing them. Yeah. Uh, depending on where you are and what government has said, you can hold off on paying rent or or all these sort of things. I, I think we're gonna lose I don't know half of all comic book shops at least, um, and that's a shame. And and some of the creators are getting because um, uh, G Will Willow Wilson was told to stop producing scripts recently, um, and didn't she work for DC? So like I feel like certain books aren't going to last or survive this. Um, mm-hmm. Very um, possible. I, I I would see, you know, as as stuff gets tighter, even even for the big two. I mean, and not don't even think about the impact to like. You know, create our own with Image and some of the smaller companies. Um, you know, I, I think we're we're entering a time where maybe books are going to be on an even shorter leash. And I kind of feel like the leash hasn't been that long on a lot of books anyway. But I think I think you know, with, with economics as it is right now, I, I think you know, if a book is not selling pretty well, and then depending on what the new landscape looks like, we may. You know, I think. The, the flip side of that that I hope we don't see is I hope we don't get to a place where comics just get really safe and that you can only get, like, you know, safe bets. Because, uh, you know, one of the things we love about comics, I think especially the three of us, is, is some of those titles that, that are a little... that take a little bit more risk with doing something different with the characters or doing something that's maybe not straightforward, superheroics. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm... Yeah, you know, I I think there's a lot of good creators out there, and I hope that they all still get a you know come out of this okay and 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 with the passion and and able to maintain their you know livelihood. Um, I don't know. I guess I guess we'll see. I just you know I think there I think you're both right. I think there's an kind of inevitable change to some of the business. I just hope we don't get it also with that a big change to you know, people putting out more books that are different, if that makes sense. I, I hope this doesn't end, end up homogenizing comics. <laughs> well, I kind of wonder if things will change a little bit more like, uh, what's it, what's, it's not first, second, it's, um, what's, what's the platform where you can pay what you will? Oh, uh, is it Humble Bundle or what? No. Else? No. Okay. No, I mean that that that's similar, but the 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 imprint that's basically it's online. You can download and pay whatever you want. The, um, um, is it fair? Um, I Spatner. Oh God, I know who he, the guy who did it. Um, he wrote many things. I can't think yeah. Brian K. Vaughan. Oh yeah, yeah B.K. Vaughan. Yeah, his stuff. Well. I can't remember the label at the moment, but I wonder if things will, at least indie things will go more that way. Like, hey, there's no physical copy. You can pay for whatever, whatever you want, and it's online here. And if you want a physical copy, maybe it, it becomes more of like a Kickstarter thing. Like, only people who pay for it will get the, like, ahead of time will get the physical releases, you know? I don't think right. it will kill it. I think it will just branch off into 
other ways because the indie people who aren't working with Marvel or with Image are still putting out stuff in other ways. Right. So right, right. They'll, they'll find a way to get, get their material out. Also, it's worth noting that a few indie brands, um, obviously not the big two, uh, are giving proceeds to um, comic book shops um, of, their, of, of, of people's choices. I know Source Point Press and um, Black Mask are definitely doing that. Like, you buy some of their products and they'll give so much of a percentage of the profit to a comic book shop of your choice. So I don't know if your listeners or if you two feel like supporting <laughs> a local shop that you really want to survive. Um, yeah, definitely do. do. Um, mm-hmm. But it's going to be weird because obviously um, all the entertainment industries, uh, obviously it's a, it's a boon if you have a streaming service at the moment. But... Um, with, cin- with cinema shutting down and them already doing digital releases of, of, of films that are supposed to be in the cinema, and then ironically releasing them at such a high price point, but then dropping it within a week because obviously no one's paying um, $16 for a film <laughs> for like a one night only rental of a right. film. Right. So, um, I think people need to, because it all depends with the big two, it'll all depend on what. Warner Brothers and Disney um, decide going forward as yep. opposed to um, what makes the most money. Because digitally, diverse comics sell a lot more. Yeah, um, exactly. Yes. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And I think with trades too. And Georgie Panel Syndicate was what yep. you were trying the to panel think of. Syndicate. Yeah. Which definitely go and check out because they have some yeah. amazing comics. Yeah, that, that private eye stuff was cool with Marcus Martin. Private Eye is awesome. Umami is like really fun. Um, I was looking at uh, Black Hand Ironhead uh, by David Lopez. Looks like like really good stuff. Even like this Glacier City book came out recently. They got a lot of really cool things. And it's I know this is an X Men podcast, but just for a second to, to plug them, like yeah. you can pay nothing or you could pay everything. Uh, you know. <laughs> you, do them a favor and plunk down a little bit of money uh, if you want to read these things, but they're definitely worth checking out because these aren't like scrubs putting books together. These are like A-class professionals just releasing their own stuff. So uh, if you're looking for uh, something interesting or to read, definitely check out Panel Syndicate. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Man, I, I'm just looking at this Umami book, and I'm like, yeah, i got to read the Ken Numero stuff all over again because that dude is amazing. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, I guess we'll we'll kind of wait with the different levels of anxiety or or anticipation. <laughs> you just kind of see how. Mm-hmm. I think that's just kind of true of of every facet of life right now. I think a lot of people, you know, worried about work and childcare and and relatives, and it's just a it's a it's a tricky time, but. Yeah, maybe we can move into something a little more fun, maybe a distraction from that, and talk about some some X Men comics. You guys want to go and jump into the books? If we have to. Okay. (laughs) So miserable. (laughs) So we're gonna we're gonna start off with giant size X Men Nightcrawler, Um, and Dan's gonna gonna take us through this bad boy. Um, because. Obviously, Kurt is my boy. Is my boy. Um, so, Haunted Mansion is what it's called. I wouldn't have called it that. 
I'd have called it overgrown, <laughs> overgrown dusty mansion. Is it, is it <laughs> but um, it is story and words by Jonathan Hickman. Uh, story and art by Alan Davis. Uh, color artist is Carlos Lopez. Letter is um, VCs Clayton Carls and Tom Mueller is on design, which at this point doesn't really need to be mentioned because it's all just copy and paste. No, I love his funk. Is it- <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone seen his, his front cover of um, X Factor that he's done a design front cover? That was quite nice. No, I haven't. Uh-uh. But oh, anyway. wait. Yes, I think I have. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm good to save there, Dan, after you basically said he had nothing to do. Good to call out the cover. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know. Anyway, um, <laughs> so on our, on our cover, uh, we have Mike Wilder. Surprised that you're reading this book. And um, <laughs> and in the background, uh, we have what looks like Rachel and um, one of the Thunderbirds. I'm going to go with, the, is it James? James is the first one, isn't he? Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Cause, and then there's some creepy spidery things in the background and possibly a bat. Um, oh, yeah. There is a bat. Okay. Um, is he going to fly through the window? Is he about to fly through the window? And start Batman. Give Kurt some inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, when you didn't realize is outside of Batman's window, Nightcrawler was hopping around. We almost had a crossover. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, I quite like the phone cover because it, it's very classic Nightcrawler uh, in yes. design. Obviously, it's Alan David. Um, I can take or leave the background. I do love the fact that Kurt's so shocked about not what's behind him, but whatever's in front of him. <laughs> but um, I quite like it. So yeah, no, I did too. I, li- I I was really excited when I saw this. It's fine. Um, it's fine. This isn't the the Davis that I love. This is like the late '90s style Davis that just I don't know. It feels a little bit like trust mm, go back to 2000s and read his Claire's Claremont, Alan Davis and Kenny. This looks like a masterpiece compared to that Alan Davis. <laughs> he's the shit in while he's uh, drawing a dinosaur Rachel. Um, but anyway, we have some lovely um, background shots of the Westchester mansion, which no one's mentioned until this day, because you know, Krakoa. Um, and Kurt Lockheed um Doug, iBoy, which I believe is called Trevor, and Ileana all pop through a portal. Um, two, well, Ileana could have just teleported them there anyway, but, you know, you have to have the gateway. Oh, it's not Cuckoan. Um, <laughs> and they've come here because they've heard of, um, there's like a signal for a, a distress call from a mutant. And I did not know how useful iBoy was until this issue. Um, <laughs> right. Because I'm pretty sure when he was introduced, he just had many eyes. Now, yeah. <laughs> all of his eyes can do everything. That's yeah, it's like triclops from He-Man, but, yeah. but multi-clops. <laughs> I love the He-Man. <laughs> I used to have that toy. Anyway, um, yeah. so iBoy is their personal um, data service and is just telling them heat signatures and such forth. Uh, Lockheed is not impressed. And I do love, I cannot... Like overstate how much I adore Alan Davis's Lockheed. Um, yeah, it's it sure. is the fundamental design. Um, yeah, yeah, it's maybe my favorite part of this whole book. 
And so, uh, Lock- second that. Yeah. <laughs> Lockheed goes mental, um, burns some of the forest down. I don't know if Nightcrawler was trying to stop him, but that panel where he's holding him is like a fire, <laughs> like a flamethrower. It's great. Yes. Um, that's uh, that's my Twitter banner right now, just FYI. <laughs> and what he was flamethrowing is a ghost um, of what could possibly be <gasps> Thunderbird. Um, Ileana and everyone's like, what could that be? And that's pretty much most of the issue um, while Kurt's basically having a breakdown, seeing things and no one else is seeing them. And then everyone sees Rachel in her classic um, dominatrix outfit. Hound. Mm-hmm. Hound is the right word. Hound is the right word. And in the bowels of, of the um, Westchester mansion, there seems to be like a um, artery, an organic tunnel, um, which swallows Doug whole, and everyone's very upset. Doug finds like a giant sphere and some spiders. What they called Sidri? Um, yeah, the Sidri, yeah. 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 That's from like the Claremont Cockrum days. Yeah, so basically, creepy Rachel turns into a bunch of these Sidri after um, two panels of like sort of reminiscing of why the Sidri are there. And while Kurt and Ileana and iBoy fight them off, um, Doug's just having a conversation, as you do. Um, we finally find out that Ileana is a better teleporter than Kat. <laughs> and so she, she pops off to find Doug. And the big reveal that uh, Warlock is still alive and is part of Doug's um, arm, which is a payoff to that panel from that X-Men issue recently. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and Doug explains why the city are doing what they do. They all stop fighting Iboy and Kat. Um, everyone turns out of the ball. There's an egg. Inside the egg is... Quite surprisingly, Lady Mastermind, because let's be fair, who cares about Lady Mastermind? Clearly, <laughs> um, still in that god awful, god awful costume that she has. Um, sometimes uh, Bacalo doesn't do good costumes. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, every now and then, yeah. Um, and the Sidri like, like, thank you. They make a deal um, that they get to keep the mansion, but they kept they. They allow people to pass through the gateway, and it's the end. Um, it doesn't feel, uh, though I love Nightcrawler, it doesn't feel like, um, I feel like you need to be, it doesn't feel like Nightcrawler's actually the star yeah. of this book. No. Nope. Not at all. Um, not, like, not like Emma and um, Jean. It feels more like it's a Doug book, or, or at least an Ileana and Doug book, which you could have easily just sold. Um, as that um, it's a good idea going back to the mansion and clearly there's going to be elements of this because he would not have brought um, um, she called Regan um, Lady Mastermind back or um, mentioned that this alien race now exists in the um, expansion and then also reveal Warlock to be completely alive if they aren't going to play a part in his grand design going forward. Um, I feel like there's a lot of alien stuff turning up, which could be in preparation for Empire, or could just be in preparation for Hickman to finish off his galactic stuff he set up in Avengers. Um, Or or also in Hawksbox, like, you know, as far as the the different generations, uh, maybe we'll get some hints to some of that as well. 
we do need with Warlock. That means we have the Phalanx to um, look forward to. Um, mm-hmm. It's not a bad issue. It's very much a sort of. I think I I said this on the Excalibur is about an issue we read where it's an issue you put out when you've got a readership and you don't really have any like storylines to, to do like any multi-part storylines or big plans so you just sort of like throw out an issue because you know you've got a loyal fan base um and that's how it feels to me as as a comic um for because like i like alan davis and a lot of the panels are quite fun but I feel like modern sort of colour techniques and inking doesn't really do his art. No. Uh, exactly. Yeah, there's uh, a very close kinship to me between seeing Alan Davis right now and seeing Mark Bagley right now. Like, yeah. I just, I'm not sure just really, it, especially reading it on the iPad, I'm just not sure that it it works <laughs> for like modern technology like it's almost like classic but when done in a way that doesn't really translate as well i i mean i I thought lockheed looked gorgeous i thought nightcrawler looked good in most of the book i thought a lot of the other characters did not look good Ilyana looks terrible throughout this whole book yeah there is yeah there's a i don't know trevor goodness gracious (laughs) There's, there's such a. I feel like if we've seen this in like um, with Glennis Oliver uh, doing the colors and like mm-hmm. if sure. they sort of embraced the 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 old, because this is Davis inking himself as well. So you know, yeah. can't blame anyone else for that. Um, I feel like if this was a book from the the eighties and that kind of style, it'd have such more vibrancy to it. Whereas, yeah, yeah, it feels like a. I hate saying this. A run-of-the-mill sort of story married with a run-of-the-mill artwork, which, like I keep, like I said before, makes it feel like just a random issue, like eleven, uh, which is the issue that you take a breather after one giant story arc. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Now, I feel I agree with you, Dan. I think Hickman's definitely probably planting some seeds. So I, I don't even can say in the grand scheme that every panel of this is filler, but it felt like a filler comic book, not knowing Easily. what's to come. Um, yeah, there's. I will probably forget I ever read this, just to be honest. <laughs> there is uh, one page. There is one page that is, I think, amazing, and it's 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 uh, about page seventeen ish. It's with uh, Nightcrawler talking to Rachel, and then there's all like the, the scenes of what happened in space and what happened previously. It looks almost like a poster for for a movie. I think uh-huh. that is super gorgeous, but everything else is kind of eh, fine. Yeah, but can you imagine Javier Fernandez doing that page? Yeah. Oh yeah, no, no. Dan hit it on the head. Like you're not. It's the wrong technology to color and ink what Davis does with pencils. Right. Uh, it, it, it. I don't know. It feels lost in translation, or someone, someone purposely like fucked with ten percent of it to make it seem kind of ugly. I don't know. But uh, that that one page I really like. It's yeah. crazy because it's crazy because the first page, which is my favorite, which is the multiple um, panels, letterbox panels of different lo- the locations zooming in. It's really well um, designed and 
yeah. got a lot of detail and but then the rest of the book sort of like that detail and detail is alan davis like i don't yeah. you know right. that's his mm-hmm. thing but a lot of the rest of the book's quite like sort of lacking in i suppose it doesn't help that most of the backgrounds apart from the forest area are just sort of like pl- blank boring sort of backgrounds i don't know i feel like i'm being really harsh like i read it and i was like oh this is nice it's cut and then i was like mm, you could have been given so much i feel like a night in, in this in this juncture of where he is as a person and a character i feel like in a nightcrawler issue which is about him going on about like the when they hinted at him creating a new religion for mutant kind yeah. I'm, not asking, I'm not asking for like an entire book as a, as like a, 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 a like a dissertation on how he would go about that but i feel like there's a lot more you could do with kurt in this era than just have him go on a, like a random mission to the mansion. Yeah. I also well, think going back home is really important, yet they don't treat it like it has that much importance. Right. It's just it's a background for to fight these aliens. Um, yep. It could have been anywhere. This could have been anywhere. <laughs> like the fact that it's at the mansion is completely inconsequential. Um, I, I think to me the biggest word for this comic is disappointing. I think especially looking at after we did giant size, you know, Gene and Emma, which was like the penultimate of what, what the comic medium can do. And then this just reminds me of when you would buy an annual to a comic and be like, why did yeah. I Yeah. <laughs> this this is annual all over it. Yeah, you're right, Jason. Do we need this really? I don't know. Right. Oh, I feel so bad for Kat. <laughs> I know. I I was really excited about this book coming out. Maybe that's some of the disappointment too, is because I I was hoping for like just a really fun nightcrawler story with Alan Davis art. And we kind of got Alan Davis art, <laughs> but we didn't get much of the fun. Um I I I have a comic book club here that we meet like once a month. We decide to book and meet. And we read The Nail, like JLA The Nail, a while ago, a couple months ago. And uh, after I read that, uh, which is done by Davis, I was like, when this book was announced, I'm like, current day Davis, I'm not really, I'm kind of trepidatious. And I feel like I was on the right side of history this time. (laughs) All right. Well, when y'all want a great giant size Nightcrawler? Um, I feel like it's it's a it's a free. But I don't know if that's Nightcrawler bias coming through. <laughs> I'll, I'll, like it's not awful, but it's easily forgettable. Um, it's 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 a low three for me. It's a three, and like if you told me four months from now I read this book, I'd be like, I did. There was a book like this. I don't remember this book. That's right. that's where this lands. Okay, I'm. I'm not feeling as gracious as you guys. Um, so I'm going to do a two out of six claws. I just, I don't. I kind of wish I could have the pages and time back to do no, something No, I else. get that. That makes sense. It's self-isolation made you harsher. Is that what's happening? Maybe. Well, I don't know, because I have a feeling that we may... Anyway, we'll see. Um, <laughs> I, I, I will say this. Spoilers a little bit on the episode... I don't know how much, but I'm going to gradually, the order we ended up doing this in, I'm going to gradually increase with every book. (laughs) 
I have a few, I have a feeling you guys may not. I think I love our, sometimes our. I know we see eye to eye on a lot, so I like when we have little minor, uh, not disagreements, but uh, um, just different takes. But speaking of of different takes, um, Hellions number one is. As a quote from Nightcrawler, it's falling to create an Eden if one has no use for snakes. My God! No, that's not there, but it should be. Um, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, this is uh, Hellions, welcome home and or let them be snakes. Not let them, ooh, let them eat cake, but let them be snakes. Oh, I don't like that anymore. Um, written by Zeb Wells, art by Steven Segovia, colors by David Curiel, VC, I'm uh, sorry, letters by VCs Corey Petit or Pennant, uh, designed by Tom Mueller, and cover by Segovia and Rain Barreto. Um, on the cover, we have the image that, if you pay attention to comics, you've seen over and over and over again. It was the image that started off all in black, and Marvel eventually showed us one character at a time, and that is the Hellions team. And I don't really care for this cover is just a group shot of all our hellions i do remember when they were revealing the dark uh, it was like um the little the less interest i had the more people were revealed yes um, definitely sure yeah i'll say the cover is probably the best artwork uh, in the issue uh ah, so deal with that really? okay all right yeah we're gonna I mean, I, I reserve the right to change my mind as we page through this again, but uh, I did not enjoy, rather, I thought the artwork, I'd, I'd read the previews, the preview images seemed better than what we got here, is is what I'm saying. Okay, fair. See, I think the first page is probably the best art of the book, but it also, I mean, it, of course it has Wolverine front and center, so I guess I'm, I'm staying in type, but um. Yeah, so we start off in San Francisco. Uh, Wolverine, Siren, Rock Boy, no, Rock, rock Boy, uh, Rock Slide <laughs> are, are fighting some bad guys who are some mutant cultists. One of them has an apocalypse tattoo on the back of his head. Um, and then you see the rest of the team is Havoc and Nightcrawler, and they have found the, 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 the repair van for these bad guys with their weapons. Um, Wait, hold on a second. Is that is that Siren? Isn't it? Right. I mean, I think I think we saw her one other issue when they were like showing who had been resurrected. But we haven't. Have we seen Banshee at all? Uh, no. I guess Zombie Banshee's still running around somewhere. I have no but, idea. Wouldn't Teresa still be um like a spiritual um supernatural being from here? De- no, I'm just gonna ignore it. No, it's fine. Well, I, I don't even know what you're referencing, so I'm not sure. Peter David's X Factor, she became an actual literal supernatural being. Oh, like a real but, siren? But clearly. Is that kind of like when Rosenberg made Cyclops a literal Cyclops? Yes. <laughs> but better written. But better <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> I, feel I just like thought it was interesting. Not- this is like. She's finally like on a team ish and she doesn't speak. <laughs> well, maybe uh, Zeb Wells doesn't know how to uh, do Claremont Scottish or Irish or whatever it is. I, I think so. the issue here is the issue with this issue is that Zeb Wells, and we'll get to that. Who we all thought was Jim Zeb. <laughs> and we were all much happier when we were behind that. the scenes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I do like Siren's, uh, the visual of her power, though. I thought that was kind of cool looking. 
Other than one, the innermost ring circling her boobs. That's kind of weird. But the rest of it looks cool. But anyway, so we have them fighting. Uh, I can't decide if I really like or don't like Nightcrawler's visual. I kind of like the elfish-looking head, but his body is so gaunt. Um, but anyway, there's a guy with a bazooka, and he blows up the van, including Havoc and Nightcrawler. Um, Havoc goes nuts and tries to melt the guy's face. It's almost like he's possessed. They play it off later as maybe being some axis residue. I don't know if it's that or something else. Um, of all people, and this is kind of the, the, the crux of, of part of the issue, is of all the, the people who, who show the most control, Wolverine comes in and knocks Havoc away, sparing the terrorist life. And then Havoc wakes up and is like, oh, what did I do? And then... Um, we go to the Quiet Council, and maybe where I'm going to embark or enjoy this book a little bit differently than you guys, I do actually really enjoy Wells' uh, Sinister. Um, very snarky, very kind of playing in with how Hickman set him up in Hawksbox, um, just kind of fabulous. Um, he has kind of a, a tete-a-tete with Exodus on shoulder wear, mystique face palms. So basically they're deciding what to do with some of their less desirable mutants on Krakoa, whether they throw them in the pit with Sabretooth or do something else. And we have a uh, empath, wild child, orphan maker, and nanny. Uh, uh, who's the marauder? What's that guy's name? I'm drawing a blank. Scalp Hunter. Yeah. And then in the back is Havoc. And we go through all their individual crimes Empath was making his other Hellions fight each other. Um, Hold on a second. This this shot of all the guys here, and you're reading the names, like, you could mix and match those names with, like, any of these characters, and I would be like, yeah, that fits. I mean, these are just, like, <laughs> what's this design? <laughs> oh, whatever. Yeah, that works with that character. I don't care. Like, they're very forgettable. <laughs> the most forgettable yeah. characters. Right. Um, let's see. Uh, do, 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 do. Yeah, so, see, I kind of like this page, too, of uh, Angel and Beast fighting Orphan Maker. For some reason, they were, either they had a reason or arbitrarily keeping them separated from the nanny. And then they let them go ahead and, and embrace, and nanny does her weird, like, macabre nursery rhyme or whatever. Um, then Sage and Cecilia Reyes uh, are giving Wild Child medicine, but he's burying it in the plant, so he goes nuts. Uh, Scout Punter is visited by some Morlocks on the uh, anniversary of the mutant massacre. He's cleaning his guns like a good uh, gun nut. Um, and I guess I guess we don't actually see him doing anything, but I guess he ends up like seriously injuring all of them. Even though, because he, he gets accused of attacking defenseless Morlocks, even though they clearly attacked him. That part was kind of weird. Um, anyway, so back Callisto to... we saw in Marauders is not this Callisto. Like, this is another part where I'm like, the characters in this book don't act like the characters in any of the other books. Right, which makes you wonder, is it different? I mean, are we on a different timetable, or is it just disjointed? Um, I, I think probably the latter. Um we go back to the quiet, quiet council, and Mrs. Sinister's like, oh, who is this in the back? And, of course, it's Havoc. And he's like, I don't remember. And Cyclops gets really mad that Havoc is even being, I guess, tried or, or brought before the council. And they all, and, and the part that seems kind of weird, they're all like, oh, shut up, you. You're not on the council. Cyclops, one of the 
premier leaders of X-Men history. Your opinion is not welcome here. And he basically says, okay, well, if you all do something to Havoc, you're going to have to mess with me. And then um, Sinister has an idea. His idea is to put together the Hellions and is basically going to be all the bad mutants on Krakoa and give them something to do. Um, they got to steer clear of humans and just do the dirty jobs that no one else can do with, with mutants. Um, Cyclops approaches Psylocke to kind of be the team babysitter on his behalf and to especially look out for Havoc, which he says, oh, we'll see. And then they get together. And they're going to go basically tear down Sinister's old orphanage where he got the Summers brothers. Um, and we get some more kind of sparring verbally and physically. Um, and Sinister says, okay. And then we go to the orphanage and there's some old bad guys hanging upside down, dripping blood. And we see Madeline Pryor, the Goblin Queen. I totally forgot about that ending. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think I think the art is inconsistent, but I think I may have liked it a little better than at least than Georgie said. I thought the colors worked pretty well. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, I do think the color work might be the highlight of the art here. But I'll tell you, flip through these pages again, there are no no backgrounds in any of this. It's just these spaces with characters. Like it's um it's it's halfway done. Uh, these panels. Uh, if, if like if we're gonna give give Excalibur that uh, that pointer, this book needs that as well because there are no backgrounds <laughs> here, even less backgrounds here than in Excalibur. Uh, to be honest, I think the artwork's fine. I don't have like major issues with it, but it's it's the characterization. And Dan, you can probably speak to this more than I can. Um. Well, in Task Force X, um, number one. Because that's what this seems to have set up. Um, I I generally uh, are quite dumbfounded that we've got another book that deals with darkness um, in a in a place which is supposed to be paradise. Um, where are my happy, where are my where are my happy books? Um, essentially, my main problem. I actually don't mind the art. Looking through it again, I think um, Cyclops looks really nice. Um, I think yeah. you're all right. It's it's. It's the color work and the, the 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 sort of shading of the irony that um, we complain about one book that can't get skin toned right, but apparently white people in this book have like a million tones. Um, <laughs> um, but yes, uh, I don't know what that says about it. But the color work is really nice. Um, I'm not a big fan of Kurt's design here. He almost looks really young um, in places, which is really yeah. bizarre. Um, See, I disagree that Sinister sounds anything like... Because um, Hickman's has nuance. This is very on its face. I, I think I said this to Georgie. It, to me, he sounds more like a Disney villain, like a queer-coded Disney villain. Um, okay. Like I, The machinations are, are, are on show rather than in the in the wings, like with Hickman's or Q and Gillen's, because that's basically what everyone's basing Sinister off these days. Right. Yeah, right, right. Um, and I feel like it, it comes quite sort of out of all the characters, he's he's the most on point because I have no idea why Storm, Jean, and Nightcrawler would even consider uh, um, Sinister's plan over Cyclops saying stuff unless we're still <laughs> under the under the mandated everyone hates Cyclops um, 
Song and Dance. But and the irony that um, they decide the fates of these mutants when we have Sinister Apocalypse Exodus Mystique on the Quiet Council. Um, but the, the thing is, there's no, there's no like, whereas you'd, you'd, I'd feel like you'd get a Duggan or um, or Hickman or another writer would actually question and make an interesting sort of round table version of well, why are we deciding the fates of these guys when you guys are just as bad, mm-hmm. if not where. Like I feel like we would have got a more nuanced. I don't understand the motivation, and they feel like arbitrary characters. Wildchild, for example. Um, all I remember of Wildchild is Age of Apocalypse and that he was in X Factor for ages. I don't remember him being like a, um, a, 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 a about to break um, Wolfchild. Um, why not the other five hundred other feral people they brought back to life that all that have all gone that have all gone cra- that have all gone crazy like a hundred times? It just feels bizarre, and I feel like Nanny and often make her are just there purely because of the visual like mm-hmm. one's a monk and the other's a robot man um like i get scalp hunter but why not the rest of the marauders because aren't they all just as bad as scalp well m- most of them are hanging upside down right and At i don't know end- and that mostly marauders like arc light and the the, the crystal guy and yeah you're right there I don't know. I just, it just feels. It feels, and like, why Psylocke? Like, if you're gonna make any. Um, oh, because Fallen Angels got cancelled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> clearly, clearly, having a hypersexualized um, Psylocke needs to be in at least one book, according to someone. Um, <laughs> but I just feel like if you're gonna have a Captain Flag to um, sort of control your Suicide Squad of mutants. Maybe pick one, okay. maybe pick someone else that makes because Silo doesn't maybe make, Havoc. <laughs> yeah, Havoc would yeah. have made more sense as the leader of this team, and Silock would Kwanan would have made more sense if they took the actions of Fallen Angels into account, where she maybe have stepped too far. Uh huh. Because if you take Fallen Angels, from what I remember of the damn of that damn book, um, she <laughs> made a, she made deals with Sinister. Which puts right. Sinister on a, on a on a unless that's going to be addressed, but puts Sinister on like a um and who the hell out of all these people? But like, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's just have Sinister in control of all the psychos. You know that didn't go, that hasn't gone bad ever in any time. time <laughs> right. Like I don't know. I feel like it would have been more interesting if someone like Storm, Kurt, Gene, anyone else on that Quiet Council would have maybe put up the the sort of team I don't, know. I don't know and with them not sounding like themselves like the beginning just seems so um like that team at the beginning i'd rather just read that that group of that group of sure they're a far more interesting group of mutants wolverine heading his new x-force um for example but like why has Havoc gone crazy like, I'm, I thought we I'm, just... I'm tired of that. Me <laughs> too, right? Didn't we Jen just get? We just got him back, and in X Men, he he like even in the book we read later on, he's competent. He's like part of the family. He's like able to like be a part of a team. And right away, they're like, "Well, we don't really know what to do with him again. So what if we just made him crazy? <laughs> like, how many years do we need to have that happen in a row? And right. <laughs> I don't get it. 
I feel um, if if what we just read of Nightcrawler was an annual, this is a, a a book that's been heavily edited and mandated by editors because it feels very much the work of many, not the work of a singular voice. If sure. that makes sense. Interesting. Okay. We do have the theory that half of these books are being edited by Hickman's preferred editor and half are being edited by Jordan White. And if you look at the books that Jordan White is promoting, they're kind of the books that we're not really interested in. Uh, <laughs> the, the darker, like, right. like screwed up, violence for violence sake, like hurting character kind of books, where the Hickman books are like looking towards the future. So, I mean, this one, I, I can't tell about behind the scenes, but it feels like this is Jordan White being sort of mandating what he wants seen in, in the books here. Fair enough. All right. Well, um, so I'm going to, I'm going to maybe surprise you guys. Um, my caveat is I do not see this, la- my feeling lasting. But for the first issue, I ha- I think I had more fun than you guys did, and I liked the art a little better. So I'm going to go a soft three out of six. That's fair. I'm probably going to go a two. I really wanted to enjoy it because it's something that could have been in in better hands. Uh, uh, an interesting could have had an interesting hook. And right. now, now that I've been reminded that the end is Madeline Pryor, which is one of my least favorite. <laughs> Yeah, I I see this going very poorly very quickly. But... She's obviously going to fight them and then join the team, and then there's going to be a massive oh, sinister. Because no. that's how it feels. <laughs> like, yeah, I might be wrong. That feels more like White being going for nostalgia for nostalgia's sake rather than actually wanting to tell the story again. <laughs> if that's what's happening, right? But paging through this again, I. Maybe I was a little more upset at the artwork than I should have been. Um, but uh, story-wise, character-wise, I'm just so sick of what what they're doing to Havoc. I, I think I'm not the biggest fan out of the three of us of that character. Uh, I don't understand why they're so dismissive of Cyclops after Cyclops has been like their golden boy on, on the X-Men books. Suddenly they're like, well, right. we can't trust you. We'd rather trust Sinister. Okay. Um, it just doesn't... I'm I'm going with a two on this one, and it's it's not an optimistic two. It's like, all right, this is going to get <laughs> we're going to fall into fallen angels territory real quick here. Yeah, very possibly, very possibly. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, let's maybe go up up the let. Well, I guess we'll see because Georgie's not enjoyed this book as much either. Um, X Men <laughs> plus Fantastic Four number three. Um. Let me find the credits. There are credits, right? Uh, Krakoa has been invaded or to the victor. Oh, these double titles are killing me. Um, all right. Uh, Chip Zdarsky is the writer. Terry Dodson is the penciler. Rachel Dodson and Ransom Getty are the inkers, and you can tell. Uh, mm-hmm. Laura Martin with a slew of colorists, uh, Andrew Crosswing and Peter Pantazis. Uh, letters, BC's Joe Caramagna, and then the, the cover is by the Dodsons. Um, is Psylocke even in this book? I don't think so. I think they're just drawing X-Men and Fantastic Four together to have fun. The cover's fine. It's yeah, it's Psylocke, Magneto, Human Torch, Mr. Fantastic, and Iceman. Um, the alternate cover of, of 
Ben Grimm and Wolverine fighting over a pot of flowers is better. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, anyway, so the Fantastic Four looking for their kids have invaded Krakoa. It went poorly. They fled, and now the X-Men are chasing them. And we get a follow-up. We get another example of Cyclops plugging into the Blackbird and using his optic blast as a weapon from the plane. Um, so they do that. He shoots it out of the sky. Invisible woman lands them safely with a bubble. Because, um, Jason, what he does is very precise. Did you like oh, that line? Right. Was that, was that right. a I, I kind of did like that a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, so he says... Uh, or else, and he goes, Logan, please, you know I'm the best there is at what I do, and what I do is precise. Um, yeah, yeah, that's his, that's his approach in the bedroom as well. Um, <laughs> but, um, I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> I, just wanted, <laughs> I just wanted to say it. <laughs> he doesn't touch any of the walls, just right to the G spot and out again. That's all. Right. <laughs> so anyway, they land on the beach in a bubble, then... Nightcrawler bamps Wolverine in, who takes a slice at Johnny Storm, um, which puts a crack in his helmet. Um, he then goes after Mr. Fantastic, like he's going to murder him, uh, until the invisible bubble, which apparently can deflect adamantium, um, bounces him away like a little rubber action figure. Um, then we find out that they've landed close to Krakoa, but on Doom Island. Um, and he says, you guys are, are invaders here. You're both wrong. Oh, and by the way, here's your friends. And there's Kitty and some other people. Kitty not dead, by the way. And some other people. Um, Sue's still pretty mad. But uh, Dr. Doom kind of pulls a trump card and says, you guys want to see those other mutants? Play along with me. And Kitty Pride says, yeah, I already brokered this deal. And she and Magneto kind of have a a face-off. I love Zdarsky's Doom. Always have, as you know, he's written in a couple of different books. Sure, sure. I really like his Doom. Um, but can I? Can, yeah, I, I agree. I, I love the Doom. Do I just realized why does everyone in 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 these books have like seventies hair? Why why do they all look like they could have been on Three's Company? All the women, like all the hairstyles, <laughs> feel very. 70s you know like kitty would never kitty would never have hair like that right now like what is happening it's voluminous Mm. um yeah um so then reluctantly mr fantastic with the aid of beast agrees to let dr doom experiment on his son we get some more of this kind of uh, not not much in, in favor of uh, idea that everyone mutant superhero all their powers come from yeah Von Doom particles. Um, Wolverine and Storm decide, you know what? We're not going to play by Doom's rules. We're going to find the mutants and get them ready to do a sneak attack, and we'll use the Invisible Woman to help us be extra sneaky. Um, then there's some more kind of sciencey stuff. Then we find these mutant kids. Uh, like a purple, like a cross between Domino and Blink, and then her brother with purple eye circles. And they're like, no, no, we love Dr. Doom. Don't try to rescue us. And they're like, okay. And then some Doom bots show up, and Wolverine pops his claws and and kills the Doom bot, but turns out it's not a Doom bot. There's a Latvian citizen under there. And Dr. Doom's like, oh, by the way... 
you guys not only broke the rules, my rules, but you broke the Krakoan rules. Wolverine just killed a human, in which thou shalt not. And uh, so here are my Doombot Sentinels. You ready? Um, so obviously, I, I think I think if we were to rank our enjoyment in this book, it's kind of been me, Dan, and then Georgie lagging behind. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I thought the art was fine. It's still incon- it's really inconsistent. I think some of that has to do with the multiple inkers. Um, I thought overall the book looked pretty good, and I enjoyed kind of the pacing and the dialogue. So I actually had fun with this book. Um, what did you guys think? Um, Georgie can go first. Oh, I was hoping you would go. No, it's okay. Um, yeah, I, I agree. There's too many anchors on this book. Um, I I really feel like the Dotsons can be really on it, or they can be really off it, and this book feels inconsistent uh, the whole yeah. way through, whether we have a nice panel or a bad panel. Um, I think my, my biggest problem here is that Hickman has put a concept together that Zdarsky can't tackle in a nuanced sense. Um, it becomes just sort of superhero infighting um, and where, where both sides seem to be terrible. Um, and I think that Hickman had set up the mutants in a way that made it seem justified in why they had done things and that here it just turns them all into bad people. <laughs> it's like obviously all the X-Men are bad for what they're doing. Is is the way it's, it's played out? At least the way I'm reading it, and it feels right. it feels clumsy. Like it's a very difficult concept to to write about, and I don't feel like Zadarsky is quite up to it. Um, and I, as well as the, those dumb god particles. All right, we don't need none of this happening right. here. Um, it's look, it's not the worst thing. But I feel like it's kind of wasted potential. Uh, a better writer, like I, I think Zdarsky's a, a really good writer, but maybe this isn't his niche, and a team of artists that could, you know, do a whole book on their own uh, would have made this a, a, a better, a better book altogether. Yeah, I, I think as far as the bias, I mean, Zdarsky has shown a lot of. Uh, what's the noun for adept being adept? But anyway, a lot of a lot of skill riding the Fantastic Four in that family of characters. So I think he definitely sure. writes them just stronger, and I guess, like you said, kind of more in the right. Dan, what? How did you how did you read this one? I know you've been enjoying the series overall. Are you still um, enjoying it, or are you kind of falling off this, of it? This is the one that sort of like flagged me a little bit down. Though, though we do have the Dodgeons, um Someone's using chewing gum. Um, because <laughs> um, I feel like that's in everything they've drawn, but I've been waiting for it in the series because usually someone um, blows a bubble of gum, and today it's Rogue, who does little more than fly in one panel. Um, my main gripe of it is that Mr. Darsky shows his colours. He doesn't care about the actual conflict between the two factions. He cares about Doom and Doom alone. And right. when um, a writer has got to the point where he wants to get to, um, and it's really heavily played, like Doom is really, like his Doom's not good, right? I, I'm not dissing the Doom. It's just that it's played so heavily that the Fantastic Four barely feature as, uh, as a presence other than 
reads about dad, which is, I think, uh, a story drum that's been beaten to death since since Franklin was born. Um, and <laughs> um, I feel like Franklin, uh, there was this like idea that was planted not just by Hickman, but by the first issue that it would be Franklin that makes his choice and it would be his choice. This entire manipulation by Doom has taken that from him. And because we're so obsessed, or should I say, the, the narrative is obsessed with Doom, I feel like Franklin will never, like, even no matter what side he sits on, it will never be truly his choice, which robs his character of basically his future. And I was kind of like, the story's so busy getting to the, to the Sentinel Doom bots with a, with a slew of panels which are either really nice to look at uh, or not, and then sometimes really sparse and really overly detailed, and everyone has that same nose, and it's starting to bug me. Because, um, <laughs> like, everyone sent to the same plastic surgeon as Emma did, it would seem. And I want... Like, in the last in the last issue, we had the overly emotional, quite rightly so, Fantastic Four invade Krakoa. And now we have two sides sat on Doom's Island. And they're like, we'll work together, but we won't actually show you the moment we'll actually uh, break bread. And be like, Doom, Doom is evil, let's help. We'll just assume they'll break bread and Sue will help us. Um, no character's been given like a... Um, None of the Fantastic Four have been given a moment to sort of rehabilitate their stance. To, to me, Sue's still, like, super furious and, like, she's willing to go to war with the X-Men, but she's, she's fine to sit on a beach with Doom. You know what I mean? I, I, this, this, uh, just so Doom can spout some more, like, really overly wrought dialogue about ridiculous science that now exists, um, which is probably a lie anyway, because that's all Doom ever does. And there's nice moments, and I have some fun with it here and there. But at the end of the at the end of the book, I was actually just kind of like, I feel really sorry for Franklin because it's no <laughs> longer it's no longer his story. It's it, it's now the X Men fight Sentinels, while while Doom secretly turns a young boy into a weapon because he's clearly got an ulterior motive. Because could he wink hard enough at the audience every five seconds? <laughs> um, it, the mind boggles that even beasts like oh it's sound science yeah let's totally let the kid get put into a thing by a, a known dictator slash like psychopath but you know it's going around the books these days that we just let these um, known genetic manipulators and insane tyrants just do whatever they want in the name of story <laughs> so I don't know. I feel really harsh about it at the moment because it is kind of like a tongue-in-cheek fun book. But even the like sort of fun has been zapped for me a little bit because the, the motivation's gone and it's just become the Doom show. And you know what? I love Doctor Doom, but when a story becomes the Doom show and it's not really supposed to be the Doom show, kind of breaks it. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's fair. Okay. Well, um, I I just a little bit me, behind the how the sausage is made. I think I'm running a little bit out of time with the boys um and i want to talk more about x-men number nine so let's uh let's kind of rate this i'm gonna do i'm gonna do a pretty some pretty solid four out of six for me i still am enjoying it i think more than you guys um where where y'all end up landing i'm gonna go with a three because i don't think it's terrible 
Okay. What about you, Georgie? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a three. It's f- forgettable series. Like something like it, and the idea of what what is Franken going to do was so intriguing to me uh-huh. when Hickman started, and now it's like. I don't even care anymore. Like, do we even need this? <laughs> I don't need this. Like, if you want to write a Doom book, let's have a Doom book. Like, that would be right. fun. Sure. I don't know why. Yeah. I, like, I don't need this book. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk about something we do need. Because I think, I think we, you know, we've maybe been kind of in the same ballpark, a little different on some of these books. I think we're probably going to all agree that X-Men number nine is the best thing we read this week. So, Georgie, why don't you kind of take us through X-Men number nine? X-Men number nine, writer Jonathan Hickman, artist uh, Lionel Francis Yu, color artist Sonny Go, letterer VCs Clayton Cowles, design Tom Muller, with the cover by Lionel Francis Yu and Sonny Go. Um, so the cover is like classic movie poster, just all our characters in poses with ships flying at you. It's just super gorgeous, right? I like it. Yeah, I like it. I'm not okay. sure what's going on with Cyclops' wrist, but other than that, I like it. <laughs> I think he's got these weird, like, ball bracelets, but... Damn. Yeah. It's okay. I, I'm okay. It's all right. The washed-out color is okay. It's a, it's, a, it's a choice. I'm done with you, Dan. I'm done with you. <laughs> I think it's kind of too busy, to be honest, but that's just me. All right. Fair. It's fair. Uh, so we uh, started off uh, 8,000 uh, years ago with the Kree Empire, and we see that some scientists have discovered discovered the brood, and uh, they're coming up with a plan on how to weaponize them. Um, I, I think they use the dialogue here sparingly, uh, the violence, and then uh, the structure of the Kree is just expertly told here uh, with the supreme intelligence coming up with a plan of how to use the, uh, the brood. Uh, they're going to introduce a king egg to uh, sort of manipulate them. It's all just done just masterfully. Uh, these first, what, like six pages are, are so amazing. Uh, any comments? Oh, no, total agreement. I guess the the section before the credits, um, as kind of set up, is, is all perfect. I, I love all of it. And I wanted to ask you before we get too far into this, it, it, help me remember – and this book has been mostly kind of one and done. Is this the first one that's continued from the previous issue? I, I think so. Okay. The, the, cool. Two, two really in a row, important. yes. Yeah. yeah, not really important. I'm just trying to keep it straight in my head. So, sorry, go ahead, Georgie. No, no, this book has been like Hickman planting different story seeds and coming back to them sparingly, but this is the first time it's been two in a row, I believe. Yeah, okay. Well, then we, we cut to now with uh, the X-Men uh, being chased by the Brood um, in space. And we have, like, a bunch of characters who maybe I, I wouldn't have been interested in, uh, like Gabriel and uh, Brew sitting there. But I'm, I'm kind of in here. They're being chased by the space whales. Um, and uh, <laughs> sorry, I was just thinking about Sunspot. He's so uh, funny here. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, one of the Kree is like, hey, I need the King Egg, and they've contacted Sunspot before, and he gets back to him like, hey, I kind of forgot I was supposed to do that as a joke. It's I love he's able to sprinkle in the humor here with Hickman, uh, yeah. and then uh, jokes on them because Gladiator has found them. 
Uh, there's a great moment of Kid Gladiator and, and Gladiator here, and then wonderful action, and just leading to like it's it's propulsive the action, but it has time for all the characters. Uh, there's a, a collision. Everyone crashes down on a planet, and then they have to go and fight the Brood. And as they're fighting the Brood, Gene explains like the thought process. It's very classic Hickman of explaining the concept while letting the action tell the story. Uh, we have like a bunch of just great panels of, of fighting happening here until uh, the fighting stops. They don't know why because Brew has eaten the king egg, and uh, you're like, uh oh, this could mean something. And then in one of the um, explanation pages, we get to see all the different sort of species that uh, the Kree have tried to manipulate to conquer the universe. And we, the Cedri is here, Dan. You see that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we, the, we just get an idea of to how the, the Kree plan to use this brood egg to uh, sort of use the species um, for anywhere between five to ten years. Um, and end of book. Like, I, I sped through the book, but I think this is, I mean, you said it, Jason, it's the best thing we've read this week. I oh, think far. Yeah. you, we had someone else on the book previously, but you was back here and he is on point basically in every panel. Um, the color work is superb. Uh, the dialogue is fun. Everyone sounds, we say it every time, but everyone sounds unique. I think the narration is used perfectly. I don't like, this is just a plus comic booking. I find it's it's hard to me for me to find fault with this issue. I uh, I just thought it was so special. I yeah, I'm gonna go out on a limb and maybe he'll he'll top it. I I think this is used best sequential artwork, and I've been enjoying him so far in Donovix. But I think this this is the top for him right now. Like this is him at his complete A game. The subject matter helps, right? Like he, he just draws great brood, right? And yeah. the creature, he does good creature work anyway. That's kind of one of his strengths. So, so it helps, right? That the writing a story that kind of falls into his niche. But I think you and Go together just deliver a a masterful comic because the colors, the color palette changes, right? You have bright stuff in space, and you have the, that really dark page that focuses on the brood, like faces and there's really not any action but you still feel like you're being eaten alive <laughs> like it is it's just like a couple of different faces there's no you don't actually see them doing anything but it just feels violent um yeah no i i love this comic book i i think this series is continues to just stand apart from kind of everything else and this this issue is no exception to me what about you dan so, um, artistically, I, I do quite enjoy it. Um, I think there's one or two panels that are a bit too um, busy, but I suppose it's trying to sell the chaos of the conflict more than anything else. I think the colour work is so much more important than the line work um, in telling the story um, here. I think the colour work really does sell most of the conceptual ideas that have been brought to light i do think um we've fallen we've we've hit that hickman issue that happens where the main cast uh, a little more than perfunctory to his wikipedia entry of what he's going to now use as a plot point in coming issues um it always happens he does it in every single piece of work he has <laughs> it's, it's not it's not a bad it's not a bad thing 
it just happens to have it happening here. So we get everything discussed just so we can have that moment where Brood is eating the egg. Therefore, the X-Men are now in control of the Brood. Um, or, or possibly in control of the Brood, depending on how Brew um, decides to work it. But as he's basically beast in a little alien body, I right. assume he's going to be um, giving... And this is, this is, this is why I'm thinking something cosmic coming. Or they're just like, or Hickman's buffeting himself from the the horrors of the Empire crossovers by just like arming the X Men with so many alien friends that they can't be harmed, <laughs> and, his, and, his, and his and his stories will not be affected. Um, this feels very much like some of the issues of Avengers and the Fantastic Four, where he is just setting up, um, and that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Um, I just don't think it's the strongest. I think the the series has been at its strongest when it's dealing with the X-Men. There's so much to deal with on Kurokoa that, oh, sure. that this feels like stuff that doesn't necessarily, it's entertaining, but doesn't necessarily uh, seem relevant, especially when the story actually relegates our main cast to little more than just um, Charles Xavier and X-Men 1. Um, and I sound so negative. Usually... <laughs> I did. I I enjoyed it. It's just it, I feel like I uh, we've hit that sort of um, every six issues Hickman has to do a Wikipedia entry uh, to kickstart the rest of his um, story. So I think we just hit that that um, moment here. That's sure. all. Yeah, I get but, that. But, but look at that splash page. <laughs> the one is about I guess page twenty or so where. They're all fighting the brood, and the brood kind of are the outline of the page. And just, just, just everyone just look at that for a minute. Let's just, let's just revel in, in that wonderful page. <laughs> and Gene have a better costume soon. Um, oh gosh, I'm ready for this to go away. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. I mean, there, there are those kind of quibbles that I can't. I mean, they, they keep happening everywhere. It, it's, I like, I don't know if I can keep harping on something like that. Right. Um, I don't feel like it's like it's super detriment to to her here, but also maybe we don't need this costume. <laughs> I don't know. I, I get I get your point about the X Men not necessarily being the star of this this issue, or maybe this these two issues, which you know may be fine. Uh, but I know that's not the point. It was mm-hmm. never about them in the first place. They're just along for the ride. But he always does it. But he'll get back to them. You, you know that, that that's going to happen. Like, this is something he's setting up so that it will be important in the future and the X Men will use it in the future. And I thought it was super hilarious that in the end, Brew just eats the egg. <laughs> like, right. He's like, oh, I'm kind of hungry. I'm just going to eat this <laughs> egg. Did you, not, did you not feel like um, that was the solution when it was quite telegraphed at the beginning? It was like, what they eat. They become, um, or they like gain the DNA of, and I was like, mm, something's gonna happen. Why is Brew on the spaceship with them? Right. Um, <laughs> thing. But um, it's not bad. It's not. I'm just. That's, that's yeah. All right. Well, what do you guys want to rate this then? Um, we'll, we'll let Dan go last. <laughs> I think Georgie, you're either gonna be with me or right behind me. Um. I'm going to give it six out of six claws. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, me too. Uh, I mean, Dan has a, a valid point that the, it's not really no, about right. the X-Men specifically, but I don't think that's so important for this 
quote unquote arc. Uh, I think for what the book is doing, it's superb. Um, I, I love it. Uh, six out of six. Mm, I give it a five because it's not bad. Um, but I feel like <laughs> I, I feel like no, I feel, I feel like we we I feel like we've hit. It's the it's the Hickman trap. So like the Hickman trap. Yeah, yeah, if I wasn't going to call this episode "Bamf," I would call this the Hickman Trap. That's, that's a good episode title. We'll get another. We'll get another issue like this in about twelve issues time. Okay, um, I'll save it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just, you know, I'm not being, I, I'm not being super mean, but um, five's good. No, well, five's really good. Yeah, no, no, not at all. I, yeah, and to be fair, I think all your. I guess points of detriment or criticism, if you want to call it, are all valid. I just it didn't it didn't deter me as much. Um, I just kind of brushed them aside and went over them and enjoyed other things more to make up for it. But I, I don't think you're wrong in anything you brought up. So, Dan, what did you think about uh, our 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 man and uh, in, in Cannonball there? Oh, oh, they were the best bit of the entire book because. It, it, it had some personality because <laughs> <laughs> the script hasn't. The script's got that and the um, cute little um, gladiator, the kid gladiator moment um, were quite fun. Yeah, um, it's really nice. Okay, <laughs> I, I absolutely, I, like, I, I can't gush over this book enough. It was. I mean, as we when we started off, I was the guy who was like, "Yeah, this excellent book is the is the best book," and I'm still I'm still there. I think uh, this it's what nine issues we haven't had a, like a, even an average one in all of those yeah. issues. So yeah. uh, it's just it's it's the the standard bearer for what Hickman's doing. And I said it earlier at some point it's it's problematic because Hickman sets a high bar that not everyone else can reach. And he has mm-hmm. such a complex idea that everyone else can parse out in interesting ways, right. uh, or at least find their own niche within that world, right? Like Marauders isn't necessarily delving into the complexity of Hickman's idea, but it's got its own story going within that world that really fits in with it, right? But right. something like Hellions or Fallen Angels, even Cable, like fits into this somewhere, you know? Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> Just some, I don't know. Some writers just aren't up to it. It's just not not what they can do, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think Gennard Hickman for being very gracious about that. He's been super positive about all of the Donovex books, and and like, hey, check check out what these guys are doing. And, and you know, I don't. I'm not going to say it's not for me to judge how sincere that is or isn't, but it's definitely as it's very professional of him. Yes. Yeah, either way, regardless, right, it is very professional and, and, and kind yeah. of buying in and, and owning the whole line is, I think, I think helps. I, I think some of these books could maybe be even worse. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. I, it does, it does create a gap because it's kind of like, well, I mean, you have Jordan and maybe Marauders is the Pippin, but then you also have to have your Bill Cartwrights. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I think I think I think the overall thing is, you know, we've had some some books higher than others, obviously, but it's it's been such a good time. I was thinking about being an X fan and talking through books with you guys even a year ago, 
or, or maybe a little more. Um, you know, we were, we were knee deep in the color books and just kind of what y'all are going through on Scalabros right now, just kind of getting through some of that misery and, and just how, how much fun it is to be an X-Men fan right, right now. Um, is I think you know, mm-hmm. overall, you know, various degrees of quality, but overall, I'm, I'm genuinely excited about books. I, I anticipate them coming out. I'm ready to see what happens next, and it's just it's a good place to be. And I'm, I'm glad to be able to talk to you guys about it. For sure, um, I know it's not what we do here, but I'm also it's only one issue. But I thought that Wolverine book was pretty good. Yeah, no, I was it two it issues. So I can't remember uh, now. Second two issue issues? just yeah. came out. Yeah, All right. Yeah, I have issues with the second issue. Uh, um, it's good that there's a book for everyone. No, at least, it, at least now it feels like there's an X book for pretty much most demographics and most tastes, as opposed right. to when it was just despair. Um, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, why don't you guys tell everyone where they can find you uh, for Excaliburs and in the episode that hopefully this will come out right after um, y'all's episode. So y'all, everyone listening should have a relatively recent Excaliburs episode to go listen to. So tell them how. You can, you can listen to us on podbean.com uh, forward slash Scalabros. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher and other reputable websites, I imagine. Um, if you just want to talk to us or annoy us and tell us how wrong we are about certain things, especially in light of the new, new, the newish episode, I said issue then. It's silly me. Uh, you can go on um, Twitter and uh, at Excalibur as one. Um, our most recent issue to be dropped is us discussing the um, fate of the new Excalibur uh, when it comes to us and um, whether, we, <laughs> whether we will continue with it as opposed to it being cancelled, which um, I oh. don't see it. Well, it's, no, no. It isn't being cancelled, but it feels like it. We are we are counseling it. Oh, um, oh gotcha, it's, gotcha. It's, okay, I thought y'all had an inside track on something I didn't know. Um. No, I, I, <laughs> no. feel like I looked at the sales; it's doing very well um, compared okay. to the. Um, and also how we feel about New Mutants, both Brisson and Hickman. And I found out as as a as as a discussion to to answer the question of that podcast. So listen to this one after that one is that they are releasing New Mutants in two separate volumes. One is just the Hickman one. And one is the best ah, one. All right. That, so, that is, is an answering the question I had on the podcast that we just recorded yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very well, good. also, I have been, since we've been social distancing and self quarantining, I've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing. And uh, if any of y'all out there uh, have any apples or cherries, <laughs> I'm in dire need. <laughs> um, please hit me up on Twitter because I have the other fruit. I just don't have those fruit. Uh, so hit me up on Twitter. It's a Georgie Boy Toy. I will be happy to trade you pears or peaches or oranges, coconuts, whatever you need. Uh, some bamboo. I just don't have apples and cherries. So please help me out. I, I don't have any idea what that means, but I'm in favor of all of you contributing to help make Georgie more fruity. So there you go. <laughs> 
Awesome. Well, uh, as always for the podcast, the ghost Nick, uh, you can find us on Facebook, like the page. Uh, Twitter is at Snickcast. Show notes as they are, snickcast.podbean.com. And just again, and maybe even especially during these times, I, I know we're, we're, we're kind of always uh, long-distance friends, but um, it's been really nice talking to you guys and kind of taking a break from trying to balance work and providing my own child care all at the same time. Um, so so thanks for trying giving me a little bit of a time out from the craziness and just talking about some fun comics with you guys. Um, it's always a blast. Uh, go listen to it, Scalbros, everyone. And I guess um, until next time, hugs and snacks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. And snacked. <laughs>